0: Greetings and welcome to the Antithesis of Superwoman. I'm your host, Recovering People Pleaser and ASW Empowerment Coach, Von Fuller, and I am so excited to have you here with me as we are on this journey of living our best lives without the cake. Today, we are going to close out our Therapy is Bay series by talking about a topic that is is heavy, y'all. I'm not going to front. It's a lot. (laughs) And There's not one person that has not been touched by this. Today, we're going to talk about loss and grief. All right, let's get into it. Now, before we start, as always, you know I have three important details that I want to share with you. One, I am not a licensed professional. I am solely a person who is adamant and passionate about you living your best life. Two, I am a Christian, and while I will mention my beliefs, I'm not going to force my beliefs on you in this podcast. And three, I'm a woman, hence the podcast name, and I'm surrounded by a lot of of amazing women. And so a lot of my examples will be of women. However, men, please know, I know we got supermen out there as well. So if you're feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders, but feel like you can't express it because you have to maintain this strong and unshakable image, then sit down, relax, and make sure you're listening because you are in the right place. And this is the right time. This podcast is for you. Yes, you. And if you enjoy hearing encouragement tips and tools to go from overwhelmed to overjoyed, then join the encouragement fan. Remember to click subscribe, like, rate, and review. Okay, so now that I've gotten all the logistics out of the way, let's get to the nitty gritty and talk about loss and grief. Y'all, in full transparency here, I am a mixed Bag of emotions when it comes to this topic. As someone who has experienced loss, as someone who has experienced grief, as someone who may still be grieving, honestly, this is a lot for me too. But this is exactly why we need to have the conversation. I think the conversation isn't being had because people are uncomfortable to talk about it. It's painful, it's vulnerable, it's tough, it's emotional, you know you really oftentimes can't control wave of emotions that come when you are grieving. And so a lot of people don't like feeling like they can't have that sense of control of their own body, of their own emotions. A lot of people don't like feeling vulnerable. And of course, nobody likes pain. Nobody likes to be reminded of hurt, or painful times in their lives. And so it's a topic that often doesn't get discussed, but it absolutely needs to be discussed because it's something that we all go through and that if we actually went through it in a, a healthy manner, we can help support other people who are going through it too. There's not one person on this earth that has not suffered loss. Even babies when they're first born that birthing experience is traumatic for them. They've suffered the loss of the home that they've known all their life, of the cozy situation they got going on. You know, they're all warm and it's temperature controlled in there. <laughs> and they come out to be and get hit with this cold air And not knowing what's going on, surrounded by people, just being pulled, having your body pulled, that's a violation. You touching me, I didn't ask you to touch me. And so even babies go through the process of loss, which is part of the reason why they come out screaming and upset. And so it's very important that we recognize everyone from our youngest to our oldest, has experienced this. And once we recognize how we can best process it, then we can be there for each other. I also want to talk about this topic because a lot of times I feel like culturally, we don't feel like we're allowed to grieve unless it's a loss of someone that we love. But you can grieve a relationship You can grieve a relationship changing, not just ending. Maybe the relationship has just changed in transition. You can grieve the loss of a job. Even if you have another job, you don't have to be unemployed to not feel a sense of grief from not having that job anymore, even if it was your choice. You know, you can grieve the life that you've once known if you are going from, say, you're transitioning from a high school student, going to college or figuring out what's next in your life. that is a grief can be a grief process, too, for some. And so there's just so many things that I don't think we recognize or allow to be grieved that we should. Because the person is going to grieve anyway, regardless of whether they're holding it inside or not. And so it's best that we make it acceptable and understand out loud and verbally that, yes, you can grieve those situations and they don't have to be stacked up or measured up or put up against someone else's grief who is grieving the loss of someone that they love. Because seriously, why are we comparing grief in the first place? Why? is my grief supposed to be more (laughs) grievous? Is that a word? I think so. Why is my grief supposed to be more grievous than someone else's? Like really, why is that a thing? Why? You know, like, oh man, you know, I just lost my job. And they're like, well, you lost your job. That ain't nothing. I lost, you know, my wife or my spouse, you know, like, why are we trying to compare grief Like, I just think that's something that with the competitive culture that we have, that we've turned that competitive nature to everything and it's dangerous and it's harmful. I feel like if this pandemic has showed us anything, it's that you can absolutely grieve loss in various forms, whether you lost a job, whether you lost your house, you know, a loved one, or whether you lost just a sense of normalcy and not being able to do things as you used to be able to do just a couple of years ago. We all need to process that. It's okay for us to all process that loss and grieve that loss. It's okay for us to do that. And we should do that because it's healthier for us. And if it's healthier for us, that means it's gonna be healthier for those around us. But since this is not my area of expertise, I brought on someone who knows something, something about this. Okay. And so please welcome Mrs. Alicia Kelly, LCSW, and I'm going to need you to help me learn what that is in a moment. (laughs) Welcome her to ASW. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Now, because I'm not even going to try to do your bio justice, I feel like there's something I just wouldn't be able to get right. I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, where you're from, all that great stuff. Okay. So
1: I am Alicia Kelly, LCSW, which is a licensed clinical social worker in the state of Oregon and in Texas. I do um, individual therapy uh, with people who um, are experiencing all kinds of um, mental health issues, which is like depression, anxiety, a lot of grief, some who are bipolar, a big spectrum of different uh, mental health issues. And I also work as a,
0: as a diabetic social worker.
1: Hmm. So I work with people who have diabetes too.
0: Okay. So I need you, if you can, for the folks like me, when people think of social work, it's kind of Mm -hmm. broad, right? Because a lot of times when you think of social workers, you think of maybe people who are um, working with kids or helping kids or something like that. So can you help us kind of narrow down what you're doing in the realm of social work, what that looks like? Right. When I first
1: was introduced to social work, I thought it was the people who take your kids. That's what I was (laughs) saying. So so I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. But then as I dug, dug deeper into it, social workers really are the people who are in the middle. They stand in the gap. So basically... What I do is I find, I can sometimes find resources for people. There are times where i uh, just providing like mental health services where we're just talking about ways to cope with some of the stresses of everyday lives, where we're not just looking at just the brain. Because like psychologists look at the brain and how the brain operates, where we look at the environment, the whole situation. So it's not just focused on one thing, but the whole spectrum okay like 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 environmental things like your life like what's going on around you like your money like all those things that affect your mental health
0: awesome thank you so much and share a little bit about you like I know you're a mama I know you're a wife like go ahead and give us all the good good
1: okay so I was born and raised in Portland Oregon um black girl in Portland that got a story all by itself right (laughs) but um I do I have I have a wife I've been married for um, 15 years going on 16 I've been with my husband for 18 years we got four beautiful children one in college one in high school one in middle school and one in elementary (laughs) and so um I have been practicing um, social work probably for the last 10 so years, but social work's been in me before I got this degree. It's just who I was, you know, grew up in a kind of like typical broken home. So, you know, both parents grew up in the 80s, so they was on drugs, Um, dealt with that, lived with my grandma for a little bit, lived with my aunts for a little bit, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so then I decided, you know, that I wanted to be something different. I didn't want to be like them. So I decided to, you know, um, really get into school and pursue my um, degree. And first I got a a bachelor's in um, criminal justice and then I got a um, a master's in social work. And then one day I'll get my doctoral, but that's in the future.
0: (laughs) I hear that. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing that. I appreciate you opening up. I think so many people look at successful people and feel like they never went through stuff or they can't possibly mm-hmm. understand or relate to what I'm going through. And so right. I appreciate you sharing that because I think it automatically helps people see, like, okay, you can have, you know, issues or coming through some challenges and still make it through and still be successful.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Thank you. Thank you. So did you, you said social work has always been a part of you, right? Even though you've been practicing for the last 10 years or so. Yeah. So how did you, did you always know this was something you wanted to do? Like, how were you introduced to this as a career? Okay. So this is what's crazy. is like,
1: I was introduced to social work through my therapist. Okay. So it it had come down to basically, I was like 25 years old, I had a husband, I had bought a house, I had kids, I had the perfect life, you know, that most girls dream of having. And none of that, I wasn't happy. And I knew it wasn't them. I knew it wasn't him. I knew it was something deeper than that. And so I went to my therapist. I found the person that was hard because I'm in Oregon finding a Black therapist. I knew I wanted a Black therapist because I didn't want to go in there explaining stuff, like explaining a whooping or explaining, you you know, my parents was on drugs, but I wasn't, you know, neglected, you know, that type of stuff. I didn't want to do all of that. I just want to go in there and I just want to unload. And I knew that I couldn't carry this load anymore. And I had been through too much. And so um, I found a therapist. I was sitting there and, you know, I mean, we went through some sessions where I was just crying, like barely could ever speak. Um, times where she told me I needed to take off work because it was just so much. Mm-hmm. And then one day when things were getting a little better, I was looking on her wall at her degree and I was like, what is it? and she was like oh my degree I said what's your degree and she was like social work I was like I thought there was a people to take people kids (laughs) and she just laughed and she was like no um you can do a lot of things with this social work degree and I was like really and I was like that's dope that's what I'm gonna do (laughs) and that's kind of how I work it's like once I see something and it just triggers something in me I'd be like yeah that's what I'm gonna do and I applied the first time, didn't get in, but I had such a, I wanted to help people like me. Um, Those people who are walking around with a whole bunch of baggage um, in life and just want to like, can't find no happiness.
0: Um, I want to help those people. So I applied again and this time I got in. So first of all, let me just say, I absolutely love all the gems you dropped just in that alone. So one you went to therapy. Therapy wasn't something that was taboo for you. You were like, Mm -hmm. I need to unload all of this weight, all of this burden. And I need someone to help me get there, figure out what to do. So the first thing, I think that is amazing. And I'm glad that you are sharing that with us. And then two, you saw something, you went after it, you didn't get in the first time, but you didn't let that mm-hmm. stop you. That's a whole word, right? <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of people will be like, especially if you're a Christian or be like, oh, this must be a sign. They must not mm-hmm. want me to get it. No, that just means you have to keep going. If you know this is what you are called to do, you are passionate about this, and you feel like this is yeah. you can get back, mm-hmm. keep going, you know? Absolutely. Funny because people love to say the Michael Jordan story about how he wasn't chosen for varsity and stuff like that, but they don't apply that to their own lives. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And so thank you. I appreciate you sharing that because I think that is something that we all need to remember. It may not work out the first time Mm -hmm. and you could be in a situation where you feel like everything should feel amazing, but there's still something inside of you that you're like, something's just not quite right. Right, right. So I love that. I really appreciate you sharing that. So with Mm -hmm. that said, I'm going to ask you this. The podcast is called The Antithesis of Superwoman. Mm -hmm. And I'll share my definition later, what I feel like it is. But do you, just on listening to that um, title, consider yourself a superwoman or an antithesis of Superwoman and why?
1: (sighs) I would to be honest, I would consider myself a superwoman.
0: <laughs>
1: I do it all. And sometimes I have to stop myself from doing it all because um uh, wearing this cape can sometimes be too much.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I absolutely get it. And so that is the whole reason really for the podcast is because I felt like I was trying to be this superwoman. Mm-hmm. And I just kept failing. Yeah. Just kept failing at it. And then, you know, I realized what I was doing personally was without recognizing it, I was trying to prove my value and prove my worth in the things that I was doing for people mm-hmm. and Absolutely. my inability to say no. And so mm-hmm. the cape got too heavy. You know, I mm-hmm. actually I got sick um, when I was mm-hmm. pregnant. My second, I got sick and I couldn't do anything. And it was in that time frame where, you know, God told me, like, look, I still love you the same. Like, none of that had anything to do with how much I love you or how proud I am of you. And so he told me to do the podcast. And so that's kind of where I am now and why I'm doing it. But yeah, that cape was too heavy. Yeah. Burning myself out, you know, and I was 30, what, two, 31, 32. Like this mm-hmm. life, you know, <laughs> You know, usually when you see your grandmamas and all that and they're yes. tired or exhausted, but they're in their 50s, 60s, 70s, like mm-hmm. I'm 31. This is a problem, you know, yeah. so trying to work on just changing that every day and starting to embrace the fact that I'm just not superwoman. That yeah. I don't mean nobody else is, but that ain't, that ain't, <laughs> God didn't give me that. And so yeah. I, yeah need to leave it alone and be okay with leaving it alone and not feeling like mm-hmm. I'm because of it.
1: Yeah. I sometimes put my cape on and I need to take it off and I have to, um, God always reminds me um, of this thing. He said, I did not send you to save the world. I have to remind myself that, you know, I'm not, that, that wasn't my journey. I'm not here to save the world. And so sometimes I'd be like, okay, you know what, that somebody else going to water that plant,
0: somebody else going to take care of that. It don't have to be me. right right. that was already done I just need to do what I came here to do I absolutely love that and I think too when we embrace not doing it all and Mm. having those boundaries and pouring into ourselves because let's let's save ourselves first right right we end up helping more people in the long run people we didn't even recognize that were looking at us or watching us right exactly So thank you. I appreciate you sharing that. And yeah, I don't know how you do it with (laughs) focus. It's a balancing act. I'm learning. (laughs) So I wanted to touch on the subject of grief. In -hmm. this therapy series, this is something that I think a lot of us deal with without talking about, it's kind of like taboo, unless somebody has passed away. And so I think that, and even when somebody has passed away, it's like, you can talk about it right up until like the funeral. Then when the services happen and after that, you're supposed to kind of, you know, move on. And so I really wanted to touch on grief because I feel like there's so many of us that are grieving. We may not even know that we're grieving or still grieving, And we need to talk about it so we can learn more about what it is, how to process it, and maybe if we need to go get help to help Mm -hmm. us through it. So thank you so much for being here. And I want to start at the basic of what is grief?
1: Um, I would have to say that grief is different for everybody. But if you look in the dictionary, grief is um, experience uh, is a reaction to a loss. And so... It's however you decide, but it's your reaction to that loss. Um, growing up, uh, I experienced my first loss when I was like literally one years old. It was a tragic accident where my grandfather and uncle both passed away in um, a car okay. accident. Um, so my grandmother and her sister both became widows at the same time. Okay. Um, so I was born basically into grief a whole, you know, experience of experience the loss of you know our what we call um what's what they call them the head of the family um matriarch
0: oh patriarch
1: yes. patriarch yes so that's what I was born into so that's when it started and it's not something that a lot of families want to talk about it it's very similar we talked about it and then it was supposed to be gone it was over
0: mm-hmm. and that, that wasn't real life for me Do you feel like outside of death, you can experience grief? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because grief is the reaction to a loss.
1: So you lose a boyfriend, um, y'all break up, you lose a job, um, you lose a house. Um, There's so many other things that like when you can, when you lose something, there's a a process you go through after that loss. Um, where you angry? You frustrated? Like you confused? Like, what do I do next? That's all part of the grief.
0: So do you notice similarities from people who have experience, who are going through the process of grief from the loss of a loved one versus the loss of maybe like a job or a relationship?
1: I have noticed that the symptoms are very much the same. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time people don't notice that they are experiencing a loss or they're grieving, they um, come to me well with like I'm stressed from, you know, losing my job or you know I'm stressed from you know the breakup or whatever, and they don't realize that they're grieving, um, and that's when I kind of help them with the process of just going with the flow, mm-hmm. going with the currents, and ha- and having them and helping them express how they feel and understanding that it's okay. Mm
0: -hmm. absolutely so circling back to what we were talking about in terms of um, communication and verbalizing or Mm -hmm. expressing grief why do you think it's something that's so taboo that we aren't really allowed to talk about whether it's about death or outside of death
1: pain is uncomfortable and I think that's what many of us are avoiding is the pain that comes along with it and also the reality is that you have to literally learn how to live a different way we, we avoid this pain, like even if you think about it, excuse me, <coughs> you think about like, you know, uh, headaches and, you know, back pain. We take a pill for everything. Gives the yeah. pill, gives the pill, gives the pill. We don't want to experience the pain. So it's the same thing when you have some type of grief is that we don't want to experience. So, uh, so we're like, okay, well, you know what? We ain't gonna talk about this no more. We're gonna act like it didn't happen because we don't want to experience the pain that comes along with it not realizing that once you experience
0: the pain, you'll find relief on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's so true. And what's interesting to me about the whole process. And, you know, I'm not an expert. This is just what I observe: is that when you go through grief and you're not, you're like refusing to kind of actually move forward in the process, you are really prolonging your pain. You know, even though, you know, get into the other side, get into some sort of relief doesn't mean that you're not going to miss them, doesn't mean that you're not going to have hard days. But I feel like you just add more weight and burden to your life by actually not processing that grief and just refusing to talk about it or deal with it.
1: Um, Yes, I think sometimes it depends. And and I'm going to say this is because sometimes you got to take that grief and put it on a shelf. Because you gotta plan the funeral, you gotta, you know, deal with the the house, you gotta, you know, help with the finances, and so sometimes you have to take that grief and put it on the shelf and wait for later. Um, but the reality is that it sits there, yeah, and it's waiting; it's not going anywhere. Um, and that's the part that some people get confused with. is like, well, you know, it's, it's six months later. Why does this hurt so bad? Well, you didn't deal with it a long time ago, so it's still there. It ain't not go nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's still, it's, it's on the shelf waiting for you to open that box. And so sometimes it's just not safe. It's not the right time to grieve. And so there are times when people have to save their grief for later. And I get people who, and me myself, when I went to um, therapy and talked about the grief of my losing my mother, that was probably 15 years after she had passed and I had tucked it on the shelf. And when it came, I was like, I told her, I said, this feel like she passed away yesterday. Mm -hmm. It's because I had just opened up my box of grief.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. And let me clarify, I wasn't trying to say that people have to deal with it right away. Mm -hmm. But I do think you put extra stress on your body when you do let it sit there. Because a lot of times, and this is, I don't know if it's our culture or what, but Mm -hmm. when you put something on the shelf, usually you don't go back to it right it sits there yes <laughs> you know, it yes something happens that's so um impactful in your life that you can't ignore it anymore
1: mm-hmm.
0: so I want us to get out of that like let's not. Yes. it's okay yeah you definitely got to deal with logistics you got to do planning and yeah. all that stuff but don't forget to take that off the shelf yeah actually process it
1: well I think that's cultural too many other cultures they process the grief right then, right there, and they do it as a community. I think our community is so, most of the time, these people who are grieving this loss I ain't talked in years. And so you in together and you got this, you know, grieving this person or this person that you lost and you're like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna open my box of grief. I don't even like you. <laughs> like, I ain't talked to you. And so there's so many d- d- dynamics like that that are um people are experiencing and so then like we got to get out of that <laughs> so that we can be a community because you see these other cultures that come together and they mourn together and everything's put to the back burner and you are focused on just grieving this loss we don't do that we don't even we ain't even talking
0: <laughs> that's true there's usually, and there's usually always some sort of drama Mm-hmm. at services or after services or something like that and you know I think that's also a part of not recognizing your grief so now you're more mm-hmm. irritable with people mm-hmm. as you're grieving and not properly uh recognizing exactly exactly, exactly. yeah that's who yeah that was <laughs> <laughs> so can you share some of the symptoms of grief I think some of the symptoms of grief are,
1: um, like you said, irritability, um, there is anger, denial, there is frustration, depression, I think is a symptom, anger, withdrawn, disassociating. Um, there's so many symptoms and because people are all different, they are, um, they all experience it differently and I think part of our problem is that as a community is understanding that there's not one way to grieve and so then when somebody is you know irritated all the time you're like why are you irritated like it's like hey they just lost somebody you know (laughs) versus you know well most people who are grieving is sad like she she ain't gotta be all rude and stuff and it's like Everybody's different, you know, so understanding that and um, not trying to put them in a box, but the emotions are different, like, but a lot of them that I see a lot is anger, isolation, like um, depression, just sadness and even hopelessness.
0: And that's, it's a lot because a lot of those things can look similar to other things, right? So yes. a lot of those symptoms can also look like stress or yes. can look like, like you said, depression. Depression has a whole range of symptoms in itself. Yes. And so it's there's just so many things that kind of cross over or mm-hmm. overlap, I guess I should say, that it can be really hard to try to figure that out on your own. Yes. Which is another reason why therapy is bad. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, because you do recognize that it looks different for everybody, but it's hard for people to see it if you're not grieving like them. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they grieve yeah. a certain way and they expect you to grieve that same way. Right. Yeah. And just
1: because you're related don't mean y'all gonna grieve the same. Right. Like. That some people are more withdrawn during a during grief. So they may not talk, they may not be helpful. Whereas another person is go, 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 let's get it done. Let's handle all
0: this. They're different. Just because we siblings don't mean we're gonna handle the grief same. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's a, a hard for people to accept or understand. <laughs> Cause I even remember hearing people say, I don't know how they like that. We grew up in the same house. We had the same mommy and daddy. I don't know why you act like that. Da, 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 da. Like, because you're still an individual. Yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. Like you can absolutely grow up in the same household and still have different ways that you react to things or yeah. you internalize things. Mm-hmm. So as a LCSW, do you feel like, or have you noticed that you maybe have a different approach from those clients who would benefit from grief counseling versus those who do not?
1: Explain because, what you know about it.
0: So like, does your approach change? So like, if you have someone who, you know, maybe after a couple of sessions that, okay, this is absolutely grief related versus mm-hmm. someone who maybe it, it is just stress. Does your mm-hmm. approach change with the two?
1: I think with stress,
0: I would, you
1: know, help them find some coping skills um, to handle that stress and self-care, some things to um, do with grief. I want to talk about it um, and hear them and acknowledge that acknowledge their pain. So yes, I do think my approach would be very much so different with uh, grief and with um, like, if it was stress or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes absolute sense. Mm-hmm. I love that. So are there different types of grief? I know we stated that you can grieve over different things, but are there actually like different types of grief?
1: Yes, there are. Let me tell you what they are. They are anticipatory grief. So that's the grief when you have a person who is about to die. Like you have a cancer patient or somebody and you're literally waiting for them to die. So you are grieving in the process of them like about to pass so that's the process um there's the normal grief when someone lo- lo- dies um, or you lose something the loss of something there's delayed grief where you are like where we talked about putting our grief on the shelf mm-hmm. oh, I I can't handle it right now I got other stuff to do I'm gonna put this on this shelf um complicated grief oh that one is a tough one. Those are the suicides and the murders. Those are those are tough. There's um, chronic grief, um, mass grief. Um, there's a lot of you know. They always want to put a name to it, mm-hmm. but those are the major ones that I see a lot of. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. I was not expecting all.
0: Of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness. Oh, that's complicated. There's a. Lot. <laughs> There. because I imagine even with those there are a lot of that's a lot of overlap too in some of the mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah Ooh. god bless you <laughs> uh, so let me ask you this I know we talked about the fact that there is a cultural um difference in the way grief is handled do you yes. think that there is a difference when it comes to religion as well in terms of how grief is handled or processed? Yeah, I think to be perfectly honest, I
1: think about the Christian culture because that's what I grew up in, and the Christian culture says, you know, this person is going to a better place, and a lot of people struggle with that because the better place was with me, it was part of our family, and now this person is in this um, heavenly realm and you know, I don't know if that's a better place, you know, so they struggle with that. Um, I think other cultures, like there's the Buddhist, the Hindu, those are, I feel, more peaceful and more spiritual. Um, I'm not a part of those cultures, so I can't speak to them, but based off of the, you know, books that I've seen um, about grief, Those ones are different, just on the aspect of how they honor the dead and how they honor the spirit, um, and where they think the spirit goes. And it seems to me, as many times, people who are a part of those cultures have more of a
0: at peace Mm. with the death and honor it in a different way. Okay, Hmm. that's definitely interesting. What are some ways? Do you have any examples or? tips or a little bit of guidance on how we can process a loss? Acknowledge it. Um,
1: I think that's a big point. Let's acknowledge it. Let's acknowledge the pain that comes with it. And also communicate. I'm going to say communicate because there are people who need space and they need you to honor that, that I just need space. But then there's people also who I need you to just check on me every once in a while. And they need to verbalize that. And then there's other people it's like, I just need you to be here. Um, And understanding like as a person who's grieving um, that the people who are your supporters don't have all the answers. And as a person who is being the supporter, knowing that that person who is grieving does not have all the answers. And just understanding that um, most people just need to know you're there. Mm-hmm. They don't need you to fix grief. They don't need you to have a solution,
0: the right words. They just need you there. Mm-hmm. I think that's really good because that actually leads us to the next question I have for you. Because I feel like, you know, we all process loss differently. It's a challenge for all of us, but sometimes I feel like it can be especially hard for those who wear the cape because we're mm-hmm. used to being the fixers. And this is something that is outside of their control, something that they can't do anything about. Not only can they not do anything about the loss, but they also typically can't do anything about the grief either. Like you said, they could be there, they can support, but you can't fix grief. No. So what do you think may be some... Would you recommend the same tips, or would you have maybe something additional for those who are the superwomen or the superman types who are used to being able to fix it and are not only struggling with the loss and with the grief, but also struggling with the fact that there's something they can't fix?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. Ooh, that's a good old question. <laughs> I
0: think um,
1: to my superwoman, I would say be mindful. I think that's a big thing is to be in the moment. I think most of the time, for me personally, I'm always um, being proactive and thinking about everything that I have to do, everything. And what I've learned about my grief is that if I could just be in the moment, I can handle everything else. And just embracing that, that feeling of loss, that feeling of frustration, that feeling of anger. Yeah, I mean, I could just, uh, when I think about this, I think about uh, when I went to counseling for the first time. I had this superwoman notion before I was even grown. Mm -hmm. And I felt like as a kid, if I was there with my mom, that I could have saved her. Mm -hmm. And I carried that guilt with me. And so just understanding that, like I said in the beginning, that I wasn't, I wasn't brought here to save the world. And there is not a superhero in this world who can stop grief. It happens to everybody. And just when I say being mindful and just in the moment, just understanding that we are here right now and let's deal with this. Let's deal with these emotions. Let's embrace them. Let's um, take care of ourselves. So I think that's, that would be, I would just say, take care of yourself.
0: That's a good one. I think, because that's something that super women and supermen need to be mindful of anyway, right? Even yeah. out of grief. And so definitely, um, within that process of grief as well. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. What are the stages of grief? I've looked some stuff up. Now, you know, everybody got to Google something, right? And so <laughs> I see five stages of grief and I see seven stages of grief. Like, what really is it? Is it like, do you combine the two? What are the differences between them? Am I wrong? Is it really 12? Are you supposed to add them together? <laughs>
1: So I will say that there are stages of grief and the, um, we, most people use the five stages of grief. The, um, seven stages is kind of an updated version. Um, but they are denial. Like, no, this didn't really happen. You know, what, what is going on? Like they can't be done. You know, um, they, they I couldn't have lost my job, you know, all kinds of, then there's the anger. Why me? You know, life isn't fair the bargaining. It's like, well, God, if I do this, please just give me back my, you know, give me back this person, give me back my job, help me this. And then, you know, there's the depression. um, That's the acceptance and feeling numb. And then there's the actual acceptance of it. And those are the stages. Those are what people write down. But the reality is that we've learned is that those stages don't really mean anything to a grieving person, Mm -hmm. because I may I may go straight into the bargaining. I may not be at denial first, or I may just come straight into anger. And so a lot of us therapists don't like to use those um stages because people are like, well, I'm I'm supposed to be at stage two and I'm, you know, down at stage four. And then I jump back up to stage one. And so it's kind of like you just ride teaching the right away.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: ride the wave of grief and do things in your life to support your grief. Mm -hmm.
0: So it's really not about the stages, which was actually going to be my next question was, does everybody go through all the stages? Um, Mm -hmm. So it's really not about the stages. It's just about working through whatever your Mm -hmm. grief journey looks like for you.
1: Yeah. So somebody may be in um, denial for like, maybe four or five hours maybe they in denial and then they go to the next stage so a lot of people touch these stages but you know it's not no time frame Mm -hmm. on these and there's not no order like if we keep trying to put all these things in order then a person feels even worse because it's like you know i'm all over the place Mm-hmm. And that's the reality of grief is that you're going to be all over the place. And so that's when I say, you know, just taking care of yourself and, you know, allow yourself to be in the moment and, you know, um, surrounding yourself by people who care and love you and people who are going to be what we call companions, a grief companion.
0: Okay. So I actually want to ask about this grief companion. So can you mm-hmm. help help us understand for us folks that don't know? what is a grief companion because automatically when you said that and I don't know if it's just a sign of the times or me just sounding weird but I think of all those like support animals Mm -hmm. so what is the actual definition of like a grief companion
1: that is somebody who is just there to support you during your grief
0: let me tell you what a grief companion is not somebody that
1: comes to you and say oh I know you lost. just be strong keep your head up no. <laughs> Your grief companion is somebody that says, I'm just going to come over and sit with you. You want to take a walk? I brought you a meal. You hungry? All right. Just checking on you. I know I know what today is. I'm checking on you, making sure you're good. Mm-hmm. That's a grief companion. Somebody that is okay with sitting in silence and supporting you, not trying to fix you, not trying to rush you to the next stages of this grief not being where they want you to be, but just there. I'm just there. I'm just here. You need a hug? What you need today. And understanding that every day is going to be different. Uh, That's what I consider to be a grief companion.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. I'm glad that you said that too, because that's another thing that's very prevalent in our culture, right? You're Mm -hmm. strong, you'll get through this, you know, or mm-hmm. I had to go through it. You'll be. I know you can go through it. Like yeah. that type of stuff is what we're used to hearing and what we think is support. Any it's case?
1: not. It suppresses the when you somebody tells you you gotta be strong. They t- they're basically telling you to push that grief down. Because mm-hmm. what's you know you I mean you can't cry, you can't scream. They're saying that you need to just push it down. And what we need to just say, what do you need today? i know this sucks what do you need today can i give you a hug mm-hmm. that's it
0: yeah that's absolutely right i realized how how interesting the grief process can be when i lost my stepfather and actually is. His kind of the date is coming up. But when I lost my stepfather, and people were just telling me, Oh, just think about the memories, all the good memories, all the good. And I was like, That's not what I want to do right now, because that just reminds me of the fact that we will never be able to make more memories. Mm-hmm. But then I remember when I would say that to other people, mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh shoot!" I was probably, probably part of the <laughs> not knowing because you, you know it's such a because it's so taboo because yeah. it's something that you know we don't you know just to put it out there we don't get adequately trained on how to deal with it both Mm -hmm. from the person who's experiencing the grief and as a person who wants to be a support and, you know, um, help those who are grieving, Mm -hmm. it's kind of all over the place. And so you just do what you've heard, you know, I knew enough to not say, just be strong, but, you know, I'm thinking I'm good saying like I'll just hold on to the memories. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I was probably getting on their nerves too. (laughs) Yeah. So it really is just being there.
1: Yes.
0: I think for a lot of us it's kind of hard to know how to just be there or to not feel Mm -hmm. awkward. We have to learn to how to sit in silence sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. And so yeah, I think there's so much healing that can come from helping to process grief, even that that helps you outside of grief. Yeah 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 do you feel like um there are people who can get stuck in a particular stage i know even though you don't you don't measure by stage but yeah do you feel like people can get stuck in a certain stage and how do you absolutely help um usher them to keep moving and ride the wave as you say
1: yes there are people who get coming to look and that will be our part of our complicated grief and that's usually when um you really want to make sure you go see a therapist um, to help you really process that. And most of the time people know because they're feeling like stuck like I don't have no motivation. Mm-hmm. I haven't been getting up, I'm not enjoying life. I'm like I'm not finding the good in anything and then that's when we move from like grief to depression mm-hmm. and you know that's when we really want to make sure we go seek some professional help so that we can, you know, get find our way out of that that stage.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's that's good because I do think that I mean me, I'm pro therapy anyway. I was like, oh, something wrong. Go, let's go. Look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I know for a lot of people, they like to try to fix it or deal with it on their own first. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think it's good that you kind of gave them a marker like, hey, if this is what you're feeling, yeah, maybe best to go to the yeah. It can be hard once you feel stuck in a certain process to be able to move forward or s- certain mm-hmm. stage. yeah. Awesome. So we're coming up on the end. I only got a couple more questions for you. And thank you again for being here. For those who are going through and still wearing the cape, still trying to do everything for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and often what I think the big part of the antithesis of Superwoman is, is not being anti-cape, but it's being anti-ignoring yourself because you have the cape on. Right. Yeah. And so a big part of this is just reminding people to, hey, put the cape down, take care of yourself saviors mm-hmm. or into yourself how do you get others to see the value in putting the cape down before they get to the point of reaching burnout
1: mm. i always whenever i talk talk to people because i have so many people who are just taking care of everybody else and then they get to me and they're like i'm exhausted and i always remind them like when you get on those airplanes the first thing they say is that if something goes wrong put on your mask first Mm -hmm. and that's how you're able to take care of other people I said the re I explained to them the reason you are exhausted and living in regret and helping these people and you don't really want to do that is because you are you are helping them with the empty cup Mm -hmm. you're not full yourself and being full yourself means you know making sure you for one let's let's wake up let's get some good sleep Mm We sleep two three hours and we get up and we give everybody else. And then we passing out, falling asleep. You got people to driving, falling asleep. You can't pay attention. People talking about, I I just can't focus. You ain't been asleep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, taking care of yourself by doing that. You know, taking care of your mental health by making sure you have a therapist. And I want to, uh, on this podcast, I want to say this. Therapists need therapists too. Yes, say that. I- I have my own therapist, and I got to a point where, like, you know, we think we're wearing our cape, and we're going around helping everybody, doing sessions with everybody else, and you forget about your own mental health. So I have my own therapist, because <laughs> I am human first. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, that's, that's, I just, you can't, you can't uh give to other people,
0: and your cup is empty. right. That's good. And that leads me to my next question. Yeah, You, I know you say you have your own therapist. I think that's going to be a part of the answer, but you are a wife. You're a mom of four beautiful children. You are working busy trying to help, you know, other people process grief and, you know, working as a therapist. What does self-care look like to you? And how how do you fit that in too?
1: So um, self-care looks like to me is getting up in the morning and going to the gym, starting off my uh, sessions. Uh, I start I trying to go to the gym about 6 a.m. in the morning, have given my children responsibilities in the morning to where they are, making sure they get their self ready so that I can take care of me for an hour, right? Um, making sure that I set a boundary. My kids and my family um, are important to me. So I cut off my sessions at a certain time. I, I turned myself, my work phone off. Listen, I, I turn it off. I'm in the bed. Um, and I learned this word that my cousin had to explain to me. And it sounds so crazy. She said, Alicia, I want to teach you something. And I was like, this is when I have my cape on all the time, 24 <laughs> She said, it's I'm "I'm gonna teach you this word and it's gonna help you out it's gonna be part of your self-care plan I said okay I'm ready I'm ready and I was like what is it she said no (laughs) she said I want you to learn that word and I want you to say it and I want you to mean it and that's it Mm -hmm. so now I'm like yeah nah that ain't my ministry <laughs> and so that's a big thing saying no making sure I get my exercise I take my vitamins C- cut my phone off at a certain time uh, and then this is a big one for me too is being social because I am a mom I am a wife but I'm a a girl who likes to go to the bar, like to have drinks. I like to be with friends. And so being
0: intentional about that time also um, is also self-care for me. Awesome. I love that. So I want to ask, what are your current goals? And I ask this of everybody because I feel like when you are listening to people or watching people and they're already walking in their purpose or they've already reached some goals, it's hard to think that they may still have goals because they look like they just have everything together. Mm-hmm. So what are some of your goals that you're still looking forward to, to attaining? Oh,
1: I think I want to be, I want to, so this sounds may sound crazy, but I want to work for me. So my goal is to quit my nine to five and go full time private practice. My goal is to be, get in a place where I can offer licensure to uh, supervision for other um, African Americans who are trying to come into this social work field. Um, I want to do it at a price. Lord, Lord willing, that my practice will be so well that I will be able to offer some of this supervision for a little to no cost because I know how hard it was for me and I want to eventually my um like five-year plan is to open a um what I call um a greatness center not a not a not a uh, you know because one of the things is like a lot of people say you know well you know you're, you're I'm well but I want to be great Right. So I want to open up a greatness center and, you know, there's a lot of
0: details in that, but I can't tell y'all. everything. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that. And none of that sounds crazy at all to me. I love that. I see it. Yes. We're Absolutely. So is that part of what you want your legacy to be? This is my final, final question. I want to know what people a thousand years from now are going to be talking about, when they talk about you? To be honest, when I think about what, uh,
1: in a thousand years, I want uh, my children's children to be like, my mom's mom was a great mom. And that's why I have a great mom. Um, I think about, because I didn't, I lost my mom so young. Being a great mom is such such a big thing on my list. Like It comes above being a great therapist, it comes above being a um, great aunt, you know, I want to be a good mom, I just want to make sure that my kids have that, and the way that I'm a good mom is by taking care of
0: myself, you know, I'm I'm already a great wife, so. (laughs) I love that, thank you so much, that was beautiful, genuinely, that was, that was really nice. Hopefully your kids listen to this and they can be like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) they they are my world. And
1: I explain that to them daily is that I'm trying to be a good mom. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you. I really think this is going to help a lot of people. I hope that's my hope that this information that you shared with us, which was invaluable, is going to help so many people, even if it just gives them the encouragement to move Mm -hmm. forward with the process of you know their grief, you know, with going on that journey, recognizing it's a journey, recognizing it doesn't have to have a time limit. you know, mm-hmm. recognizing it's okay if you need to go to therapy to get help, you know, and encouragement on how to process some of those. So yeah. thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I have three closing segments. I have the beacon of encouragement, the encouragement quote, and the encouragement challenge. And so the encouragement challenge is what I do weekly, where we give a challenge for people to do throughout the week to kind of help them, you know, either prioritize themselves or put the cape down for a minute. Do you have any, do you have a challenge that you would like to offer to people? Oh, yes. My, my challenge
1: is I encourage you to write it down. I am a firm believer in journaling, write it down, get it out your head. Um, put it on paper um, it don't have to make sense it don't have to have a certain format but take some of that frustration anger your um your goals your dreams and take that from out of your brain and put it on some paper
0: absolutely I encourage you
1: to I love do that.
0: that I am pro journaler here I have a whole shelf of my journal. Actually, you can see it in the cameras <laughs> on my journals. So, yeah. yeah, I am pro journaling. That's awesome. uh Thank you for that. And so, our beacon of encouragement this week is none other than you. Thank you so much, you. Mrs. Kelly, for all the amazing things that you do. You are an amazing wife, you are an amazing mom, and you are an amazing therapist that truly cares about people. And you're an advocate for health, too. And so I just really thank you for all that you're doing and just being a light in our community and in our world, because I absolutely know your impact is going to be far greater than uh, Portland and Texas. So (laughs) thank you so much. I appreciate it. And then for our encouragement quote, and I had to write this down because this one's kind of long. The reality is that you will grieve forever. You will not get over the loss of a loved one. You'll learn to live with it. You will heal and you will rebuild yourself around the loss that you have suffered. You will be whole again, but you will never be the same, nor should you be the same or want to. And that's by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and David Kessler. Yes. And so I just thought that was really interesting because it's letting people know you don't have to feel like you have to get back to what you once were. You can still be whole and just be a new version of yourself. Yes. Yes. And so with that, I just want to thank you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to to share some wisdom with the people. Give us some tips. We really appreciate you being a part of the ASW family and helping us here. Thank you so much. Yes. And please, if you're comfortable, let people know how they can find you, how they can reach out to you. All right. So you can find me on
1: Alicia Kelly, LCSW um, at gmail.com. And that's A L I S H A and then K E L L E Y L C S W at gmail.com or Alicia Kelly, LCSW.com. Or even I have a business
0: cell, it's 971 377 9506. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. You've been amazing. I appreciate you. And just thank you. You're
1: welcome.
0: And with that, I want to thank you all for joining me on this episode of loss and grief. Um, Grief is such a deep topic and I feel like we only scratch the surface, but even with that, we got some amazing, amazing information And so I'm really grateful and I thank you for being here, for still rocking with me as we are on this journey of living our best lives without the cape. As always, please know that I do not take it for granted. And if you enjoy spending time with me and Mrs. Alicia Kelly, LCSW, talking about grief and loss, then please join the Encouragement Fam. We are here with open arms. Remember to click subscribe, like, rate five stars, and review. And share with your friends and family, too. We don't know anyone who hasn't been touched or impacted by grief. So I think this is just an amazing one to share with those that you love. Please make sure that you follow Mrs. Alicia Kelly, LCSW on all the platforms that she offered. I'm gonna have all her information in the description below. And for my ASW family, if you have topics that you want me to discuss, if you have beacons of encouragement you want to nominate, or if you just want to reach out, feel free to hit me up on our website at www.antithesisofsuperwoman.com. Again, that's www.antithesisofsuperwoman.com. You can also hit me up on Instagram, antithesis underscore of underscore superwoman. And you can also hit me up on Facebook. I have a Facebook page, The Antithesis of Superwoman. And I have The Antithesis of Superwoman Encouragement Collective, which is a group of people who just want to come and encourage one another and get encouragement as well. And so come join us. We will love having you as a part of our family. Can't wait to meet you back here next week for an all new episode because you will not want to miss it. Talk to you next week. And remember, no Kate, no cap. Bye.